Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. Please remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to please leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for the wonderful introduction and Mike Regina for that awesome intro music that you all enjoy every opening of the show. And without any further ado, let me just welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Good, man. You're stuck in the cold. I'm in the sunshine. That's all that matters. Let's get started. That's petty and just plain old rude. Man. Oh, hush. You be petty any other day of the week. I can do it one time. Anyway, you know what? Let's just get started. I'm already sick of speaking to you, so let's just get started so I can yell at you a little bit here as we disagree. At least he's admitting it. Sources tell The Athletic that Rockets star James Harden wants to be on a contender outside of Houston, and Brooklyn and Philly are believed to be his top desired trade destinations. Other reports indicate that Harden actually turned down a contract from the Rockets that would have paid him $50 million a year. I believe he turned down a two-year, $100 million contract uh, by, the, by the Rockets, extending out his current contract. So, JT, I want to start this show with NBA, with some basketball, because this week is the NBA draft. It's actually occurring on the day that we're recording this. So... My question about James Harden at the moment, he's still with the Rockets, again, as the time of the recording of this show. So which of the two teams mentioned there, Brooklyn and Philly, which one should he want to go to? Well, first, shout out to James Harden for not needing $50 million in his current climate. Must Damn. be nice. Must be nice to say, you know what? Hey, we're going to give you $50 million this year and next year. All you got to do is show up and do whatever you want. Guaranteed. Nah, I'd rather go somewhere else. Guaranteed. Man, crazy times. Wild times. Uh, Houston, if you looking for somebody to just jack up shots and pay $50 million, we're both available. We'll actually split the salary so you'll get a two-for-one deal. We'll definitely take that role on in Houston. But uh, to answer your question, well, to me, both are bad fits because they already have ball-dominant players on the roster already. Obviously, Philly's got uh, Ben Simmons and um, uh, Kyrie's in Brooklyn. But I would guess I'm just going to go on a limb and say Brooklyn just because one of his friends is there in Kevin Durant, and that's the report that's going on. I don't know if you heard what Chris Broussard said this week on The Herd. Basically, Harden wants to go to Brooklyn. Durant is the one that really wants him there, and Kyrie does not really want him there. But I mean, that's a shocker. It, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> He's like, well, what about me? How am I going to how many touches am I going to get? But it makes sense. But Brooklyn makes all the sense in the world. He's going to play with his friends. They already have a coach there in Steve Nash. That's, you know, looks like he's going to be like the ultimate players coach where they're going to respect them. He's going to respect them as players. 
And it just seems like it'll be an easier fit for him to be a winner there in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to disagree. It's Philadelphia is where he should want to go because, one, Joel Embiid. He finally, meaning Harden, gets to play with a true big, right? A true big man. I mean, Jared Allen's not trash now. No, but are, are we really saying No, we're that? not, but you know okay. what I mean. Well, okay, uh, that, that's all I want to get clear. Joel Embiid, right, is not ball dominant. The other thing, Ben Oh, come would, on. You, you can't compare it to a Kevin Durant, Kyrie, ball, or he's Westbrook. He's not ball dominant with the ball in his hands, but the offense will have to go through him. It works when it's, that's, when it's going through him. And that's fine because you know why? That'll open up Harden a little bit more in terms of open threes and getting rebounds. Now, the other reason, I think Ben Simmons much more of a team player than a Kyrie Irving. You just said it yourself. Kyrie's going to be wondering, hey, how do I fit in? How do I get my touches? How do I get my shots? Ben Simmons, we don't want you taking three-pointers. Don't worry about your shots. He doesn't want to take three-pointers. Exactly. So you can still be the ball-dominant guy, sharing with Harden a little bit, but Harden's going to take the majority of the shots. And Ben Simmons is not going to get upset about that. But this is the main thing, JT. If I believe he wants to leave Houston because he feels he can't win there anymore. And he wants that ring. He wants that legacy. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, those are great pieces to have around you. This is why I think he should go to Philly. He goes to the Nets. He's just the third man on that team. He's the follower. Wow. He's the guy that those, the guys were, he, those guys were there. He's just going to get his ring. In Philly, yes, those two guys are there already. But guess what? They've never won a title, those two guys, meaning Simmons and Embiid. Guess who has titles? Kyrie and KD. They don't need Harden. Harden needs them. But in Philly, they need Harden. This becomes Harden's team. He wins a title there. It's not going to be seen as, oh, he just joined a bunch of winners or he just joined in, you know, a big three. No, no. This would be his team, his title, his legacy would be cemented way more than a footnote that, oh, he was the third guy on that Nets championship team. It would be his legacy that basically wins not wins the title but his legacy would be cemented by winning it in philly compared to brooklyn congrats y'all have officially met james harden's legacy lawyer but anyway i hear what you're saying but here's the one thing i look at in brooklyn versus philly philly if they get james harden and they still have Embiid and simmons they're going to have the same issue they've always had how do those pieces fit in spacing and you have a guy in harden that a lot of what he did in Houston was because they had the right spacing. He's going to have better spacing in Brooklyn. I think he's just going to be happier. Did he win in Houston a title? That's irrelevant, but go on. Uh, it, it absolutely is. This is why he wants to leave so he can win a title. Absolutely relevant. So let's look at the team side of it. Should either organization want him? Yeah, I mean, last time I checked, he's still James Harden. Somebody was willing to pay him $50 million a year to not win an NBA title. So easy. Just go on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, both teams, both organizations can use him. Former MVP, obviously. But I'm telling you, Philly should want him more. They need that outside shooter opposite of Simmons. And they've got, more importantly, he would now become a guy that can create his own shot in Philly, which they haven't had in a while because Simmons can create, but not do that step back three the way Harden can. Not on offense in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. I get you. Exactly. 
Well, all right. So one more question. All right, because this leads us to the big question. What went wrong with James Harden during his time in Houston that he wants out? Well, you already kind of said uh, I think just them, the Rockets, not overtaking the Warriors in the West and not winning a championship is basically what went wrong because that's why they assembled every team that they did around Harden. They did it with CP3. They tried to do it with Westbrook, and it just never worked. They were never able to beat the Warriors or, most recently, the Lakers. And I feel what went wrong at the end is two things. One, because they never won, Harden took way too much of the blame publicly. Not as Dan Tony didn't get as much. Uh, Daryl Morey didn't get as much. Uh, ownership didn't get as much. The other players around him didn't get as much. It was just always, you know, Harden's carrying us to the to the playoffs. He's on this historic pace, and then he gets to the playoffs. He's burnt out. We don't elevate our games, and then it's like you know what, everything is just his fault. So I think he kind of got tired of that, which is why he wants to move on to a new team. But there's another thing that came out a few days ago that I found very interesting. I don't know if you heard about this, but have you heard about the rift that he and him, other him players and... are having with ownership over uh, political views? Well, no, I heard more about him and Westbrook not wanting to play um, on the same team any longer. Yeah, I heard that. But um, somebody who I, I, I love him when he's on shows is uh, Rick Buecher. So he was on the Odd Couple podcast this week. And basically what he was saying is one of the reasons both Harden and Westbrook and some other players want to get out of Houston is there is, and I quote, he said, uh, there is a revolt there because they look at uh, Tillman, that's Tillman Farida, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, he's the owner of the Rockets. They look at Tillman as a guy who supports the current president. So of course he's talking about Donald Trump. So everybody knows this is a polarizing time with politics. So Tillman has actually been, you know, very open about, you know, his contributions to the Republican Party and also uh, is on record saying that he's, you know, really, really good friends with Donald Trump. So that's what Buecher is saying. The guys on that team, especially Harden and Westbrook, this is something that they're not cool with. And it's really, really it's a serious issue. And that's one of the main reasons why they want to get out of town. OK, I I. I'm going to say that it's Daryl Morey is what went wrong there. I understand what you're saying at the end of maybe why he now wants to, to head out. Um, but in terms of his time at Houston or in Houston with the Rockets, what went wrong? I think it was Daryl Morey not giving him a big – uh, a, a big man. Like I said, the last couple of years, they traded Clint Capella. Capella's a good player. And in fact, when they had, I believe, Dwight Howard, they got to the Western Conference Finals, and I believe they were up three games to one. And then they decided to go small ball, outthinking themselves, and it just didn't work. And I think that's what really went wrong. You don't need a Shaq to win nowadays, but you still need a formidable big man. We yeah, you need a presence that. in the paint. Yeah. That's what it, they, they got too cute with the analytics, and that's yes. what ultimately good, did them in. Good way of putting it. And then the last thing is he played in the West. The Rockets are in the West. It was just way too strong, and he didn't have enough pieces. Again, they didn't have the big guy to be able to compete with the San Antonio Spurs at one point, and obviously um, AD this past year. So I, I've, I've got to say Daryl Morey and then having to play in the West. All right, so let's stay in the NBA. 
Uh, we kind of brief, briefly already brought him up. Uh, CP3, former teammate of Harden. So let's talk about him. Um, Chris Paul was recently traded from the Thunder to the Suns along with Ford uh, Abdel Nader in exchange for Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen, I don't give a damn what his last name is, and a 2021st round pick. So, Don, question a to 20, you. Is it a 2020 or a 20, 2022? 2022 first okay. round pick. Okay. So, what are your thoughts on this trade and what does it mean for the future of Devin Booker? I actually like this trade for both teams. All right. Uh, Oklahoma City, they won't be competing for a title. All right. Before CP3's contract is up. So, get some pieces for him. Uber, they, they got more than that. Jesus. <laughs> exactly. I feel like OKC is just stocking up stuff to. To, for a rainy day like there's no way they can use all this draft capital yeah i mean they got they brought in Ubre now and ty jerome those are young guys plus that first rounder in 2022 like you said they're loading up and that's really kind of the way you have to do it nowadays um if you don't have that main piece to bring in other guys which they don't right now now the Suns, they're not worried about 2022 they believe based on that late season success, 8-0 in the bubble, by the way, JT, that they're there. They're, they're on the verge of making it big and being true contenders, and they need that veteran like CP3 to help a younger Booker and a DeAndre Aiden. And I think, based on what we saw, JT, CP3 still has some gas, and he's going to help make them uh, – have them – help them with a playoff run. And so – that's why I like it for both teams. Now, you asked about Booker, too, I believe. I, I don't think he's going anywhere this season. He's not being traded this season. And I think this shows him that the Suns are willing to make moves and take risks to bring in pieces to help him and help the organization win. And this is, and this is the other thing. If they really believed, because I, I feel like your answer is going to be Booker's gone. If they really thought, they were going to lose Booker or trade him. Why would they trade a 2022 pick? They wouldn't. They would be trying to collect those assets, draft capital, and not lose it. And, and they've been in the best situation right now as far as a team, the players, how they've played since they drafted Booker in 2015. Why would they try to just blow it up? So right. I think he's staying there, and I think he's going to be there a while. See, look, you think you know me, but you really don't. And just show, show then you how, lied. Then you lied much, to me. How much, how much he's trying to get ahead of my argument. So um I agree with you. Uh great move by both sides. Uh oh, for OKC first to acquire all the draft capital they have. I think they have like a ridiculous amount of just picks overall for the next five years. I think it's in the double digits. And they get from under CP3's contract. So I think that's a good deal. But I, I agree with you that I like it for both sides, especially for the Suns. Um, also, to add on, it shows that there's it shows that they are telling Devin Booker that they're serious about winning now and that they can do it. And I think the reason they're doing this is because Devin Booker showed them something in the bubble with that eight and no run that they had in that playoffs where they were just on fire to get into the playoffs, those final eight games. And I think it showed. Suns management, okay, we're ready now. Um, I do think this means Book is going to stay because it makes no sense to trade him now, even though in about six minutes we could look stupid when they trade him anyway for some draft picks with the draft. So as of now, recording now, we're, we're going to say he's staying. 
But I think it's good for him because, one, it puts him together with CP3, who is a great mentor and he's a great competitor on the floor. Like, both of them hate losing. And to put those two together, I think it's good for Booker long-term. And from just X's and O's, I think it's good because it puts less responsibility on Booker as a ball handler where CP3 can kind of take that over and Booker can focus more on what he's good at, which is scoring and, you know, doing other things. And also having CP3 there gives him also a second reliable score as well. So I think life is going to be easier and better for Booker next year with CP3 on the roster. And another person, just really quick, um, I, I like this move for is your your guy, DeAndre Ayton. He is going to eat people up in the pick and roll with CP3 on the team. And I think this is a good overall move. He's basically going to do all the things that Ricky Rubio couldn't for them. And I think that's that's what's made this move really good. Um, and I agree. I, I think even at 35, I think Paul's good. I think he gets a bad rap for that one year he got injured in Houston. But other than that, I mean, he's been solid everywhere he goes. Everywhere he goes, he makes that team a winner and a, competi- and a um, competitor. Is it almost fair enough to say they have kind of a big three in a sense now? Uh, I'm not going that far. But I, I'll tell you this. I won't say they have a big three, but this is the type of move where you can start getting valuable veteran pieces to take the minimum to come join you because they believe you got something special. Right. And and I kind of am excited about the Phoenix Suns because this is kind of an old school, traditional, hey, we got the point guard who's not looking to just score. We got the shooter on the wing and Devin Booker who can create if he needs to. And we got the guy in the middle. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that. Uh, so, JT, let's switch over to – the NFL, the one big exciting game of the past weekend was the Arizona Cardinals and Buffalo Bills, a game Ooh, that a we game. a game that we previewed last episode, as well as I believe made weekend predictions on it, which we'll get to later. But DeAndre Hopkins and the Cardinals beat the Buffalo Bills 32-30 on a last second Hail Mary by Kyler Murray, Murray to D Hop. He was able to pull in the TD with three Buffalo Bills around him. So, JT, was that the best ending to a game so far this season? It's so tough, and I know I'm going to catch flack for this. I'm going to say no. I'm still Don't steal mine. Don't steal mine. I'm still going with the Cowboys coming back against the Falcons. I believe it was week two. They were down 17 in the fourth, and just like the onside and everything that happened, Falcons blowing another – big time fourth quarter lead to me that comeback just sticks in my mind is just unreal because nothing like that ever happens but this was up there too well I I took it as like the best ending meaning like last single play single play last last play Uh, I mean listen it's definitely up there I want to do an honorable mention though I, I think these are both tied here it involves the Falcons JT but different game the Detroit Atlanta game back in week seven. The final was 23-22. If you remember, this is where Gurley scored a touchdown. Yes, when he wasn't of, supposed to. When he wasn't After supposed to. Matt Ryan told him in the huddle, <laughs> do not score. But Gurley says they never talked about it. And then the oh, it's, line- on, it's on camera. It's on video. He literally is in the <laughs> huddle. He's like, don't score, just get down. They call the play, he scores. It's like he forgot, remembered halfway, and he's, you know, he's still out of shape. He just fell in the end zone. Wow. Wow, you went there. Well, the Lions then drove it on the last play of the game, an 11-yard pass by Stafford to TJ Hawkinson. 
No time remaining at that point. Then the extra point put them up 23-22. So I'm going to go with that as the best ending to, the, to a game so far this season. But D-Hop, awesome catch. Can't take anything oh, away sure. from you. Speaking of D-Hop, though, JT, he is on record saying that he thinks receivers should be credited with receiving yards when they draw pass interference penalties. Do you agree with him? No. I think stats should only count, you know, when you actually make the play. And if and if they do something like this, it's going to totally change who people think the best receivers are based on stats. Like Brandon Cooks and Valdez Scantlin would be the best receivers in the league because they don't really catch anything, but they get plenty of pass interference penalties. Um, and then also, you don't want this to happen for two reasons. One, you don't want to put more power in the referee's hands to decide not just games, but you're talking about potentially how guys can get paid and earn bonuses in the future. So if a, if a ref's throwing a flag and you, you got a 50-yard pass interference penalty, that can help you, you know, your value go up because all yards are yards now, whether they're PI yards or actually, you know, catching yards. So I don't think they should do this. Air yards do not equal actual yards that you have caught. So this is, this is a dangerous, dangerous thing that they make this happen. D-Hop, man. We respect you. We think you are one of the best receivers in the league right now, but I disagree as well. I mean, it would change not only who we talk about as the greatest receiver of all time, yeah. but it would change receiving records. I mean, moving forward, as Bro, well as that, do you go back and do you credit those guys for receiving use, yards? I'm, I'm joking, but I'm using uh, Valdez Scantling as an example. Every game that he would have would be two catches for 270 yards. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Do you go back and look at all of the records, all of the penalties, and add receiving yards to adjusted, Tim Brass? Adjusted to, formulas. Yeah. It's too much work. Yeah. And, and going back to what you were almost saying is, what would be next then? A running back would say, hey, I had a 50-yard run plus a 15-yard face mask. I should get an extra 15 yards rushing. Like, Bro, how, where, where how, do you stop at that point? How disappointed would you be if you were an all-time great receiver and they passed this and some guy got into the record books basically on a pass interference penalty? Like, that, that could not happen. That, and that's what I'm saying. And then, like I said, where do you stop? Again, running backs would have an argument. So you're right. It's got to be when you actually catch the ball because that's why it's called receiving yards. Yes, D-Hop. We get it. Hell of a catch, hell of a play. But just say you're tired of getting locked up by good corners. You got tough matchups this year. You'll bounce back. So, Ashley, let's stay in that division with – I know you don't want to talk about this because this is your guy, but we got to talk about it. Let's talk about Russell Wilson. <laughs> Seahawks are now losers of two in a row as they fell to the Rams 23-16 to this past Sunday, which you predicted. I'll give you props on that. Main question is, is Russ done cooking and is he out of the MVP race at this point? No way on both. Are you kidding me? This is definitely a JT question. Loves the drama. Let's make up drama. No way. Look at his last two games heading into this Thursday night's game against Arizona, okay? Listen, I understand he struggled against the Rams this past Sunday. 248 passing yards, no TDs, two interceptions. Against the Bills, JT, 390 passing yards. He had almost 400 passing yards in Buffalo, two TDs, two interceptions. I don't like the interceptions, but the guy is still playing top-notch football. 
The reason why I believe the interceptions and people are starting to question if he's still MVP, actually only you are, is he's pressing because of the defense. JT, do you know the Seattle defense ranked 32nd right now? Oh, we get right? it. We, In yards not, per game. We, we, know, to this. we know their defense is but, trash. We but, know that. But what I'm saying is it's affecting how the offense is called and how they play because they feel like we need to score on literally every play to keep up. The defense is giving up 448 yards per game. The next closest is 415. It's not even debatable how bad this defense is. He is pressing way too much. But guess what? They're still 6-3. and three. Guess what? Their offense is still third in yards per game. And, oh, they're still number one in points per game. So it goes to show you Russ is still going to cook, and he's still the MVP leader at this point in the season. All right, so Russell Wilson for president, we get it. He's been saying this for the past two, three years, so we understood exactly where he was going with this argument. Now, I will say this. First question, is he done cooking? I'm going to say the same thing I told you over the phone this weekend. Russ, right now, he's not cooking. He's ordering takeout. But here's my ultimate opinion. He'll be back. I mean, he's too good to keep down for long. They're going through a rough stretch. But – as far as the MVP race, I'm going to say right now he is out of it for a few reasons. And I, I brought this up, but they played the Cardinals three games ago. The Cardinals, yes, at this point. Because the been Cardinals three... kind of started this slide. Right. So I don't know if you remember on that show, I told you. I said when he threw three interceptions, he threw the game ceiling pick and he got sacked in some normal situations at the end of the game where he wouldn't get sacked. I told you that is the type of game that MVP voters look at and they start to maybe uh, a little bit and they start to, you know, kind of poke some holes in his MVP legitimacy. And little did I know it would literally start this, you know, whole thing where he's just turned the ball over multiple times every week. And you look at since that game included, he's got 10 turnovers in the last four games. He's now second overall in the league in turnovers this season. That does not sound like an MVP candidate to me. And he's not leading his – I know the defense is bad. Defense is bad. Um, offensive line is okay. But at the end of the day, he's not elevating his team to wins like an MVP would. We could say the same thing about Tom Brady. I know the defense might be better, but he also doesn't have as many weapons. But he finds a way – to not lose games like this. And with even with the defense being a mess right now, if this is supposed to be Russell Wilson, the MVP, you got to make it happen. And you look at his slide in the last four games, it's put him behind guys like Mahomes, Kyler. And honestly, he's kind of on the same level as Josh Allen right now, or even Kamara and Cook. I know they're not above him, but like he's gotten down to like that level. He's going to have to stop turning the ball over and he's going to have to beat the Rams again at the end of the year. And he's going to have to beat the Cardinals on Thursday night this week, which is not that easy of a feat because they're the one that started this slide. And also you look at his history against the Cardinals struggled against them the first time this year, last year in two games against the Cardinals, he averaged what two fifty and a touchdown. This is what he, this is who he struggles against. And if he, continues to turn the ball over and they lose this Thursday, there's no way you can say he's going to be in the MVP race. Oh my goodness. Are you done? You just made this guy sound like Joe Flacco. 
I did not. Yes, I, you did. I just and said can he's you then be if back. he's, he's that bad if, if he's that bad? No, because you're saying the slide is coming. Can you trade him? The slide to me? is going on. Can right you now? trade him to me in fantasy if he's this awful and he's nah, not going to put up stupid. stats? But here's the yeah. thing. See, you just answered your question. Let me ask you. No, 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 no. You, you. No, this, 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 a really, it's a really test your faith, your faith to Russell Wilson. If the MVP voting ended today. Would you bet your first three picks in next year's fantasy draft that he's going to finish ahead of Mahomes and Kyler Murray? But that that's irrelevant because I cannot control what other people's opinions are, including yours. So what your I can opinion- control is my opinion. All right. So 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 before we move on, is he is he ahead of Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes in the MVP race right now? Absolutely, and I'll tell you why. You just okay. did. I listened to your whole. No, argument. no, no, no. I have more because you brought oh, up gosh. interesting points. You said since the Arizona game, there's a slide. You know what? When did Chris Carson get hurt? He doesn't. Ha- he doesn't oh, even I have a running Chris game. Carson, I think he they need him back. I think that's exactly. a big issue. But that's my whole point. James. But Donato, you, you're, 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 no, you're missing the point. I, I don't not, think he's. I don't I'm think answering. he's trash. I don't think he's trash. I still think he's the MVP candidate. Do I think he's? ahead in the rankings of these other guys no because he struggled yes are there extenuating circumstances of course i just told you he'll be back to cooking they need chris carson they need a running game to take some pressure off but the the question is is he out of the mvp race and it's absolutely not how can you say he's behind those guys now hold on when mahomes had that bad game against the raiders what happened oh oh mahomes season he's not the same bad game they just against the raiders he looked he did not look like everyone said he's not looking like the same Mahomes, blah, blah, blah. That, that's one game. This is a two-game stretch. This is a two-game stretch, right, that he doesn't have Chris Carson. He's got the worst defense. Of course he's going to create turnovers. He has to make plays. And for you to say he doesn't carry his team to a victory, go back to that Minnesota game. He won it for them. That's all he needed the defense to do was make one stop. They did because then he took the ball, went down the field, two-point conversion. Let's win it on overtime. That's MVP style. All right. Bro, you want to look at, at two, you want to look at a two game stretch no, where he didn't have Chris Carson. Because he was terrible against Buffalo. He's basically He was been, terrible. JT, are you kidding? He had 390 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. That the game, defense, that game was out of hand the at, some point could, at the end of the game. The defense could not stop the flag football team you and I were on back in 2017. Well, nobody could stop them. <laughs> uh, uh, well, a lot we'll, of teams we'll, stopped. We'll us. move on. All I'm saying is, turnover-wise, he's been Daniel Jones for the past four games. I do think he'll be back. I just don't think he's ahead of those two guys right now. But he, he, he still has MVP, MVP hopes. Will that make you happy? That, that's fine. We can settle on that. Thank All right, God. so another topic. I know that this is something JT definitely brought up because we got to talk about his Dolphins. But I'm actually, I don't think I bought this up. I, I'm, actually, I'm actually glad you did and that it, this is one of your questions because I'm interested in it and I do want to talk about it. The Dolphins are now winners of five games in a row and three in a row since Tua became starting quarterback. So, JT, are your Dolphins for real? Define for real. I don't know. I was going to ask you because it's your question. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Are, if you're talking about us winning the AFC East, yes, I think we're for real. If you're hoping that we win a playoff game, I'm not willing to say that yet. But – um. By the way, can I stop you there? That's a great way of defining it, and I totally agree with you. I think they can win the division, so yes, they're for real in that sense. Will they actually win a playoff game? I don't believe they're for real in that sense. Yeah, because some things that people aren't paying attention to is 
Tua, I mean, I can't say that he's great because we haven't asked him to do anything yet because the defense play has played out of this world since he's become the starter. Really, the defense has played out of this world all year. Which Russell Wilson about, doesn't get the benefit of. Yeah, I know. I imagine if he had the Dolphins defense. But um, we talked about this earlier this year. Even though we were losing games to playoff teams, they were all competitive. Speaking of Russell Wilson, he had one of his worst games of the year against the Dolphins. Um, Josh Allen, the Bills, we should have beat them. We have really made teams struggle. I mean, D-Hop, the reason he's talking about pass interference yards should be, you know, actual yards is because Xavier Howard really shut him down in that game. So we and we uh, did a number on the Chargers. Justin Herbert's probably one of the best quarterbacks playing right now. Made it tough on him. Made it tough on Keenan Allen when we played the Chargers this past Sunday. So the defense is doing it a game in and game out. I don't know if we can keep up that efficiency because when I look at the Dolphins, I don't see like the Bears defense from a few years ago or that Broncos defense from a few years ago. I don't see Legion of Boom yet. But I do see Brian Flores carbon copying the Patriots and it's great secondary play and what it does is it frees up the front seven to just you know play solid defense and go after the quarterback and we're winning with the running game and the quarterback does just enough to get it done and we're not shooting ourselves in the foot with turnovers so that's that's a great recipe for winning games so as long as we can keep that up I think we can inch closer to proving to me that we're for real yeah I mean my answer is short exactly what I said before, and what you had said, can they win the division? Sure, they can compete for it and even win it. Will they win a playoff game? No, and I think because it's the offense. Real quick, the three games Tua has started against the Rams. The Rams' total yards, 471. The Dolphins, 145. That ain't going to win it. Yeah, but the defense in, like had but, three, turno- but, three or five see, turnovers in that game. But see, yeah. JT, can you really rely on that going into no, the No, that's what I said. That, I don't know. It, and that's smoke and mirrors. I, I know, and that's what I'm saying right now. Look at the Arizona game. Their offense only okay. Miami played a much better game offensively, 312 yards, right? But they still gave up 442 to Arizona. And it come playoff time now, they played a much more balanced game against the Chargers, but they still only had 280 yards total, and that was only 160 in the air. At some point, the game in the playoffs is going to come down to Tua. And I'm just not sure if the Dolphins have enough weapons on the outside for him and if he's ready to lead an NFL team to victory in the playoffs. So that's why I say that. But are they for real in terms of making noise in the regular season, maybe winning the division? Absolutely, because of that defense. All right. So um, let's move on to something that we started on a previous show. I liked it where we, uh, we did top five lists. So we already tackled the quarterbacks. Uh, let's go to running back. So uh, let's do top five running backs, uh, dead or alive. So, <laughs> whoa, no, 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 like in the league right now. What I mean, dead or alive, like they could have played at some point this year, or they're okay. injured, okay. or guys that are still playing. So, okay, top five in the game right now. Uh, go. So let's go number five. Who you got? Number five, my guy, Chris Carson. All right, the guy you're looking to trade every year. Uh, number five, I got James Robinson of the Jags. Okay, okay. All right, number we got a four. Number four, I'm going to go Saquon Barkley. Uh, number four is a tie for me. So I want of course put, no because I want to put Christian McCaffrey on this list because I still think he's a top five running back, obviously, but he hasn't been able to play this year. But he's splitting the four spot with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is about to shoot up this list. He gets stronger as the season goes on. 
I think he might start to have a stretch like he did at the end of last year. He's going to start just destroying people over the next three or four games. All right, number three. Alvin Kamara. Aaron Jones. Our lists right, so are number- way different here. Aaron Jones, for sure. So consistent. Number two. Dalvin Cook. All right, we got Cook at number two. And you're number one? I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey. All right. Even I got though he number- has been injured. All right, I got my number one is Alvin Kamara. Most consistent back in the league. Doesn't matter the matchup. Uh, also, my preseason pick for uh, offensive MVP. So, it looks like I'm, I'm making good on that pick. Of course. That's why you put him at number one. You always have an angle, Addy. You always have some reason why you're naming a guy like that. Or, or it could be he's just actually the best running back from a health standpoint and a statistical standpoint. But, you know – I just could be good at making predictions, but you know, who cares about that? What's next? Oh, so when I bring that up about ah, Russ, next? when what's I bring next? that up about Russ, it's, oh, he threw two interceptions. Big deal. All right. So, so let's, let's go to college football uh, in the LSU Tigers. A USA Today report surfaced on Monday that alleges several LSU officials had knowledge of sexual assault allegations made against Uh, former running back Darius Geis, and other former football players, but those allegations were either ignored or the students were denied requests for protection. The report also cites three cases in which football players were found responsible for sexual assault, but were allowed to stay on campus receiving deferred suspension. So, JT, what type of punishment, based on that information there in the USA Today report, do you think LSU might receive after the investigation is concluded. Very serious topic. So first, can I address something? Um, we actually posted about this, I believe it was um, yesterday. We posted about this yesterday on on, so, on our social media. And uh, we I saw some interesting comments. And one comment that really stuck with me was, um, someone said, most of these allegations and situations like this are usually false claims. And I was like, that really made me upset. And to those people who feel like most of these claims against Geis and these nine other potential players, you know, are just, you know, bogus claims, the majority of them, keep in mind that Darius Geis is the same guy that had domestic issues in the NFL and the Washington football team cut him without a, without a moment's notice. So obviously what was going on at LSU has some truth to it because it followed him to the pros. Now to answer your question, unfortunately, I think the punishment for, LSU is going to be minimal at most because um, I just don't see them getting anywhere close to what Baylor got because it's an SEC powerhouse in the South with lots of money. And unfortunately, I, I think they'll just get a slap on the wrist at most. Maybe Orgeron gets fired, but I don't even think that's a, that's going to happen because, you know, he's coming off a national championship two years ago. So uh, disappointing to say, I don't think much will, will happen of, uh, after this to your point it it is a little disturbing that some of those people and again this is through social media are just saying oh it's not true and you know not worried about any of the feelings of the victims or you know their side of the story right so that so that is that is a that is a shame and like you said I'm sure people were saying that about Baylor and look what happened there right Art Bryles lost his job as he as he should have and it was just a disaster at Baylor because, again, a lot of people weren't taking it serious enough and they didn't, they didn't believe the allegations. Um, 
Now, in terms of the punishment, the death penalty, no. I don't think we'll ever see that again, actually, because they saw what it did to SMU. And it doesn't really deter teams from not trying to cheat. So I don't think we'll see a death penalty there. Yeah, yeah. College sports has not become cleaner after the death penalty was handed out. So, yeah, I agree with you. (laughs) And another thing to know here, JT, too, is that nine players have been reported to police for sexual misconduct and dating violence since Ed Orgeron was promoted to interim head coach in 2016. So going back to what you're saying, there's starting to be a track record here. Not only Darius Geis. Yeah, not only Darius Geis following him to college to the pros, but in this whole program and since Ed Orgeron took over. Now, I'm not saying Ed Orgeron's a bad guy, but what are you doing to help these young guys either one, avoid these situations or know the difference between right and wrong. But going back to the punishment is obviously I want the investigation to play out. So all the facts come out, you know, the, the victims can be heard that that's the main thing there is that the victims get to tell their side that they get, they get their time to be able to let everyone knows what happened um, without a biased look. But, I think you're right. Ed Orgeron might be the one that's most in trouble here because he, if, if nine other reported uh, abuses to police, these three other players where and we heard nothing, nothing, we've heard nothing. I, no. I didn't even know Darius guys was a bad guy until he got to the league. Exactly. So not only he, but the other administratives um, in, in the LSU athletic department seems like they're sweeping under the rug. So the team may take a you know lose a few scholarships, but Ed Orgeron does, I think, need to be concerned for his job. As we, we don't like seeing people lose their job, but I think he should be concerned because, like you said, we heard nothing. And this isn't even if it was one instance, you would still be concerned, right? That's one too many on on campus from your players. But I, I'm counting 12 here at a minimum. Well, guys had two alone in this report right yes and they're saying at least nine so there's there could be more so So it seems like they're saying well if you can play football for us it's okay to do whatever you want as long as you produce on the field and that's you you cannot have that that is not one that's not what college athletics is about but two the the poor victims here like that would be just awful that the school was not protecting them at all yeah this sneakily has Baylor vibes we'll see what happens um, let's switch gears to something we I feel like we haven't talked about in years. It's college basketball. Woo. So your boy, now I own a head basketball coach, Rick Pitino, uh, went on Twitter this past Saturday proposing a delayed season with, quote, and I say this, May Madness. However, the NCAA announced on Monday that the tournament will be played in a sequestered bubble at a handful of sites around Indianapolis. So, Don, what are your thoughts on what Pitino said and what the NCAA is actually going to do. Why don't they just combine both ideas? I, I, don't, I was about to say the same I, thing. I, I don't see why they can't. I, I like the idea of just league play only, right? And to start after the new year, like Petit, Coach Patino was saying, have it um, delay the, the start of the season, and then have May Madness in a bubble. I think Indianapolis is a great spot because they talk about all the different high school gyms available mm-hmm. there. And in May, JT, the weather will be great there. 
So it's not even like it. There's going to be depressing. A, yeah, it's not going to be a blizzard, or it's not going to be frigid, or it's windy. not the All Star Game in Toronto where people didn't want to leave their hotel rooms. Exactly. So I, I think let's combine those. And I know the concern is going to be well if you move it to May, the, the NCAA tournament has to compete with the start of baseball. It's got to compete with the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs and golf tournaments and the Kentucky Derby. But guess what? Guess what? Your core people, audience will be there. Exactly. And people are still going to watch it because we didn't get it last year. Yeah. And guess what? We got a Kentucky Derby this year. And the Kentucky and Derby. nobody cared. What? We want to fill out our brackets. And the Kentucky Derby is two minutes long. And guess what? It's only one night, really. It's really only two nights that you would not catch the NBA playoffs because everyone wants to watch and everyone will watch that Thursday and Friday, the first two days of the NCAA tournament. That's really the big one. And everyone's going to watch the final four. So ratings wise, I don't think they should be worried about May Madness. It's actually a great marketing uh, plug by uh, Coach Patino. Yeah, I agree with everything you said uh, real quick. If anybody proved that this is a great idea as the NBA, they proved a bubble environment is good for not only player safety, but for competition. You know, I'm assuming there's, there's going to be no fans in this bubble and it's just going to be the guys playing. So you might get some good performances without the pressure of fans, sort of like you did in the NBA. And also, too, you take out something that people behind the scenes complain about sometimes with the, the with March Madness is there's going to be no regional home court advantage. So I like this idea. Um, combine them both. I'll get it started. Anything to get college basketball back. That's a good point you bring up, the no uh, regional home court advantage. So thank goodness Duke will not get a home yeah, court Duke advantage. Duke won't be playing all their games in North Carolina. like In, in, in Greensboro. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's uh, go to the favorite part of the show. We do this every week. Week 11 NFL preview. So this is where we go over the big games and the storylines that we're most looking forward to this weekend. All right, this is where I turn it over to you, Don. Wow me this time, because I feel like you, for the past couple of weeks, have been the games aren't going to be exciting, and they turn out to be exciting. So Whoa, do something I, different. I, I said last week I was super excited. I had to talk it. you into that, but go no, ahead. No, 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 that was two weeks ago. That was, see, you're forgetting already. Excite me, excite me now. So I, I actually, it was, before is actually so it, was three, it was three weeks ago, because two weeks ago we didn't have a show. So it was three weeks ago. So he, all right, he, know, he knows this, but doesn't know our, our uh, pick em records. But go ahead. So listen, there's some really good playoff type games that are going to occur here. I think these might decide the loser may go home and not make the playoffs. First one. Titans Ravens that's a playoff game JT not only is it a rematch of last year's divisional game but I believe both teams same record this is going to go a long way to determine who in the AFC because there's a big log jam at six and three including your Dolphins at this point there's a big log jam there one of these two teams is in trouble if they lose so whoever the loser here is is in big trouble I picked that game too um, just because it's weird because the Titans dominated them last year in the playoffs. And they're, oddly enough, at this point, both teams are worse than they were last year. And I think I picked this game at the beginning of the season as a game, like one of the games I was most excited about because exactly the situation. I think this is a preview of the AFC playoff landscape. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, I, don't even, I don't even know who to really go with in this game, but I just want to see is – 
is this the game that Derrick Henry starts to tear? Because if he runs through this defense, I think the Titans will be more, more dangerous than they were last year. Well, a little teaser. Stay tuned uh, to our listeners and followers because this is going to be one of the games in weekend predictions. So, JT, you're right. going to have to make a pick. My other, um, of course, we usually do three kind of preview games. My second one is Eagles versus Browns. Different conferences, but the Eagles need this one, man. They need this one. I feel like we've been saying that for weeks. But the Browns, I believe, JT, they're 6-3. and three. So, again, the Titans or Ravens are going to lose. If the Browns can win this, guess what? Now they've got a leg up in the AFC playoff pitcher. But both teams need it. The Eagles, yes, can afford to lose, but they need it. Man. They, they really need to start playing we, well. If you, if you – don't understand what he's saying. He's trying to tell you that the Eagles desperately need a win. I think that's what he's trying to say. They need it, right? Listen, they can afford yes, to lose it, but they, but they need it. But they do need it. But they can afford to lose, but they Guys, need it for their Guys, own we have, we have confidence. A, a need it count. How many times that he's going to say the Eagles need it? I think he's up to 10. I agree with you. <laughs> Scary thing about that game is the Browns have six wins and nobody's talking about it. Remember the days where they – you were hoping they get two wins in the season. Right. Now it's like, okay, six win Browns, they're, they're underachieving. That's crazy. Yeah, that is. It is. And th- nobody's talking about it. And the last one, I believe, is the Monday night game, the Rams versus the Bucks. I'm excited for this. You know the Rams are my team in terms of the NFC. I like rooting for them. Well, you and called the, them the best the, team in the NFL not too long ago. Okay. They're, they're obviously not right now, but at that time they were – um, and along with the Seahawks, well, because of Russ, I, I like those two teams in the in the NFC, but the Steelers are my team, obviously. But listen, the the one matchup I want to see is who will Jalen Ramsey be guarding? Is it going to be Godwin in the slot? Is it going to be Evans on the outside? Or is it going to be Antonio Brown? I, I'm excited to see who Ramsey's going to match up against. I'm calling Evans because I think he's the one guy that if they don't contain him, he can blow the game open. I think it's going to depend, right? If they start to target A.B., and you're right, if Jalen's on Evans, they may have to switch that. Well, I, I think they're going to play him the same way they did Seattle, which was take D.K. out of the game and make him beat you underneath. And they got enough talent to, you know, corral those guys who are running the short routes. But we'll see. That is very interesting. Uh, my game that – I'm surprised you didn't mention this, but it's the rematch of a game that we kind of alluded to earlier, the Chiefs at the Raiders. Raiders stole one earlier this year in Arrowhead. I don't know how they did it, but this is essentially could determine the division. And this is a like the Raiders are treating this like a playoff game. It's so important. But the thing that I want to see is Andy Reid is notoriously dangerous after the bye week. And I want to see how they're going to come in and avenge the loss that they had earlier to the Raiders. And is Mahomes going to play like the MVP Mahomes and just show us the Raiders are the Raiders or, you know, are they going to struggle? So that game's definitely interesting to me. And it's in the Death Star, which is always good. Um, Also Thursday night game, your boy Russell at the Cardinals. Again, a game where he, this struggle and this slide first started. Can he get the team back um, on track? Uh, Tyler Lockett couldn't possibly not play in this game. I believe uh, Chris Carson's already ruled out. So that's scary. Um, I honestly think they're going to struggle in this game again because they took DK out of the last game and there's no Tyler Lockett. 
Uh, I think Russ struggles, but let's see if he bounces back. And then the last game that I have that I'm really interested in that not, not a lot of people are talking about is the Packers at the Colts. This is one of the games where Aaron Rodgers would probably struggle on the road, but I want to see, can he get it done on the road against, I mean, what everyone's saying is a top five legit NFL defense. If he goes in and wins this game, I say that they're a legit top two in the NFC again. I'm interested there if, Philip Rivers keeps his job. Does he play well enough to keep his job? That was well, a rumor the last week. to play well against because the Packers defense that, isn't all that good. That was a rumor last week that maybe Philip Rivers has had his last game for the, the Colts as a starter, but we, we will see. So a lot of great games on tap for the uh, week 11 excited for it, JT. And that's going to lead us into the Thanksgiving games which are always uh, exciting. But, JT, I got to give you some props, man. You had a good week last week. You went three and two, and I went two and three. That's not a good week, but I guess more wins than hey, you is. Hey, any anytime you beat me, you should be you should I've feel fortunate. You, multiple weeks. you, f- you should feel fortunate well, any well, anytime you, you beat me. We, bo- we both met, uh, whiffed on Michigan. I'll give you the Rams hell of a pick. You should have had more faith in my Dolphins. That was a good pick. I, obviously, the Notre Dame one, not as much because I, I went BC because I was thinking upset. But you, good call on Dolphins. Way to, way to believe in your team. That was, that was a great call. Uh, I will give you that. So this week's weekend predictions, let's start, as always, with college football. Really the big game. It's a noon game, though. Indiana at Ohio State. Who you got, JT? Ohio State next. Yep, me too. Wisconsin staying in the Big Ten. Wisconsin at Northwestern. Gotta trust Wisconsin. Ooh, I'm gonna go Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald's got them rolling, and it's at Northwestern. I feel Northwestern on that one. Northwestern Field. Oh, you yep. know, I should change my pick. I, I, I'm feeling that one. All right, NFL. You mentioned it earlier. Titans at Ravens. Who are you taking? I don't want to do this. Going against my Super Bowl pick, picking Ooh, Titans. I'm gonna go Ravens. I think. I think they bounce. I think they bounce back eventually. They got to because if they lose this, I think their season's done. Packers at Colts, another game you mentioned earlier. I think Rodgers gets it done. Packers. Ooh, I'm gonna go Colts. I think at home, Philip Rivers playing for his job. But the main thing is that defense. I will say this: if Devontae Adams does not play, there's no shot they win this game. And they said he didn't practice today. This is um, Wednesday. Did you forget your days? Yeah, I did. Think, They're all rolling think together. About that. Listen, you're locked in at the Packers. I've got the Colts. You can't change it based on injuries. Chiefs at Raiders, another game you mentioned. Chiefs. I don't even think it's close. Whoa, okay. I'm taking Chiefs, too. I thought you were going to go Raiders, maybe. And then Rams at Bucks. Who you got? I think this is the Bucks. I think this is a, a statement game for Tom Brady against a really good defense. I'm going to take the Buccaneers, too. I think the Rams – Going to the East Coast yeah, again. Yeah, cross country. Yeah, that, that's going to be a tough one, even though it is a Monday night game. So they got the extra day. I don't trust Jared Goff on Monday night. And they he didn't really do much against the Seahawks, and that's a terrible defense. And they really leaned on the running game, and the Bucks are really good against the run. So they're going to force Jared Goff to duel with Tom Brady on Monday night. I think he crumbles. So we disagreed on three games. Wisconsin at Northwestern, Titans at Ravens, and Packers at Colts. 
Those will be the deciding games, JT. So we will see on the next mm-hmm. episode. Before we go, JT, let's do our shout-outs at the end of our uh, great episode again. Who do you got? Um, Two shout-outs. These aren't uh, usual shout-outs, but uh, shout-out to Clay Thompson to a speedy recovery. Uh, news broke before we actually hopped on to do this show that he went down with a lower leg injury at a private workout this afternoon. Um, they don't know what it is yet. He's going for further testing, but uh, re- early reports were he was uh, he was unable to put any weight on the leg. It's not the same leg he tore the ACL, but you know, whenever they're saying you're going down and going for further testing, you get nervous. So hope it's not anything serious. Hope Clay bounces back. And then um, my other shout out is more of just embarrassing and mocking this person. So uh, Robinson Cano, who forgot he was even playing baseball, just received his he's second. 38. He's 38, 38 years old. Uh, he just received his second full season ban uh, for PEDs. So why am I shouting him out? Like Don said, he's 38, and he was due to make $24 million fully guaranteed this year, which is now voided because he will miss the whole season with this ban. Don't understand why you need to take PEDs in the sport where you already got paid. And regardless of whether you're good or bad, they have to pay you all the money. This was dumb as hell, but shout out to Cano. <laughs> and let's, let's wrap up the show on a little better note than that, but staying in baseball, I want to go to your Miami Marlins, JT. Shout out to Kim Ange, the first female in Asian American. Um, well, the first female in the first Asian American general manager in Major League Baseball history. So shout out to her. I have no doubt she will do a great job for your Miami Marlins as they're, oh, already, absolutely. As they're already trending upward uh, based on this last season. So shout out to her. But best of luck to her and the new uh, job. So, JT, awesome episode as always to the fans and listeners out there. Thank you for listening to us. We couldn't do it without you guys. And just a reminder, please subscribe to us, JT and the Don, all sports podcasts. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And please remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. Please follow us on social media. Our handle, JT and the Don. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So, JT, great episode as always. Until the next episode, see you. Peace.